Hey, this is Pastor Chris with Believer City Church. Listen, I want to thank you for taking the opportunity to listen to this message on today. It's my prayer that something said will encourage you to believe in God, believe in yourself, and believe in others. And with that being said, let's jump straight into the message. Philippians chapter 1, beginning at verse 19. This is what the word of the Lord says for the people of the Lord. For I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayers and the provisions of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. For I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayers and, my, and the provisions of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. For a moment today, I want to talk to you about dealing with adversity. You may be seated on today. Dealing with adversity. I don't know what type of a week you have had, but I can tell you this has been a week, and don't blame me for saying it, but literally it had to come from there, from hell for me. I think the enemy has thrown through everything he could possibly throw in my direction, at work, at, at home, at school, any and everything he could have possibly thrown at me, he has thrown at me. I got a call this week from my mom saying, Chris, your granddad's at Charleston Methodist, and they are giving him two days to live. This week is the call. Uh, that I received, not only dealing with that, just dealing with parenting, dealing with being a supervisor in the workplace when, and hoping that people would be grown and responsible and do what they're supposed to do. This has been a week to reckon with. And so I struggled this week to prepare to deliver a message because Pastor Chris wanted to come in and preach. Heaven is opening, blessings are flowing, things are going to be great. But when the weight of the world is resting upon you, sometimes you just need a true word from God. And so as I was trying to dig through the Bible and find everything that I wanted to preach, God would not let me see anything except how do you deal with adversity. The reason why I believe God lays this thought process on my heart on how to deal with adversity because I think far too many of us are called to be great, but we're quitting on our greatness. We're walking away from what God is asking us to do. There are people who are called to have a kingdom, godly, advanced marriage, and because things get a little rough and ragged sometimes, we are throwing in the towel. Uh, there are people who are called to be leaders on the workplace, but because people are against you or they're disrespecting you or they won't follow you, we throw in the towel. There are people who are called to be great parents, but because things don't seem to always be going our way, we want to throw in the towel. If I cannot tell you anything else, I want to stand before you to tell you today you are not alone when you want to give up. You're not alone when you think to yourself that you know what, life was easier before Christ. 
You're not by yourself. You're not alone when you feel like, you know what, maybe it was better for me to go back to doing what I used to do. Maybe it's better for me to give up this promotion. Maybe it's, it's better for me to go back to my ex. Maybe it's better for me to put myself back to where I was because where we were, at least we knew. It may not have been what we wanted, but we understood why it was functioning in the manner that it was functioning. At the mis at, in the center of what we're going through right now, the biggest struggle is that many of us are confused, we're hurt, and that's what adversity does. It brings in this mixture of feelings that you don't want to deal with. I don't want to be angry. I don't want to be sad. I don't want to be disappointed. I don't want to be lost. And it's just an overwhelming of issues that it's like, you know what? If I can't fix this problem, then let me fix me. Let me get myself out of the situation. Because maybe if I just quit, I won't have to deal with it anymore. Maybe life won't be that tough anymore if I just turn around and walk away. Unfortunately, for many of us that get up day in and day out, and we get out and we continue to put on a smile and we continue to push forward. God has not built us to quit. And as a result of it, we continue to go back and we continue to fight the fight because this is what God has called us to do. But just because we show up don't mean that we want to be there. Just because we show up doesn't always mean that we understand. And I want you to understand as believers, as leaders, that it's okay to know that in this season of your life you feel lost. It says, okay to admit in this season of your life, I can't smile just because people want me to smile. I, I can't clap my hands just because people want me to clap my hands. I am hurting. It is heavy, and I need help. Yeah. I need God to help me through this situation. The, really, the real reason why many people break is because they don't know when to say, I can't do it anymore. They don't know when to say, I'm not strong enough to push by myself anymore. This is why in our weakness, his strength is perfected. This is why we need to get to these points because it's in those moments where we realize, we realize that we don't have enough. We know where to look for our help, for our guidance, and for our deliverance. And so today I wanted to take a moment because there may be some people that's ready to walk out on their marriage, walk out on their job, maybe even walk out on this church, and you need to know that God is yet and still with you, that it's okay to feel tired, it's okay to feel confused, it's okay to feel alone, but you are not by yourself. I want you to understand that these thoughts, these things that are coming your way are tricks of the enemy because you're on the verge of a breakthrough. I, I don't think you get it because maybe you would have celebrated the fact that yes, you are in the midst of something. Yes, you've been going through something, but God is trying to bring you out. I love the fact that we're going through it and not to it because it helps me understand this is just something I have to experience as I'm on my way to something better. I'm sorry that you've been in bad relationships. I'm sorry that you've been on of jobs, but this is your process of getting to what God wants you to do that's better. I had to have a raggedy car to appreciate a good car. It was something I had to go through because I was on my way to something better. In other words, if you hadn't caught it by now, God has something better for you. This is why we can't give up. This is why we can't throw in a towel. Because God wants to do something better for you. I don't know everybody's situation. I don't know everybody's circumstances. But I know everybody that posted they happy on Facebook ain't really happy. I know everybody that walks through these doors and smiles and tells people that, you know what, God is working it out. Is not really believing that God is working it out. Some of us are lost, we're confused, and we need help. I'm grateful for the word of God because Paul 
Paul gives us an example of the help that we need. Paul teaches us how to deal with adversity. And, and just because somebody may not know who Paul is, I want to give you a history on Paul. Paul was previously known as Saul. Saul was the person that was totally anti-Christ. Persecuted them in every aspect, chased Christians, hunted them down, killed them, locked them up. They were people of the way. He pursued them to their death. After Jesus Christ had, had died and resurrected and transcended, Paul has an encounter with Christ on the road to Damascus. Saul has an encounter with Christ on the road to Damascus. And it's on this road that he's blinded by the, by the shining light of who God is. And he's so confused. And he's, he's asking himself and he's asking the Holy Spirit, who are you, Lord? Who are you that you present yourself to me in, in this manner? And it's at that moment that Saul's life is transformed. He's led into Damascus blind, having to be taken care of by Ananias, another man of God that did not want to take care of him at that time, but yet and still God sees fit to allow him to show him that even though this man has persecuted Christians, even though this man is against you, take him in your home. I want to do something amazing with him. I want to change his life, and it's going to start with you. And so they share the word. They break bread, and, and, and Saul receives his sight back. Saul comes out. He begins to be a student of the gospel. The one thing that he used to, to try to put a shame, he begins to want to build up. He listens. He observes the word of God. He begins to then, therefore, share the word of God. He begins to go on and share the word of God. He's sharing the word of God, but he's still walking around under his old name, Saul. And what happens is that sometimes, like many people who we encounter in our lives, they don't believe that we're something new because Christ has changed us. And so Saul does something. He says, I'm going to change my name. Saul becomes Paul so that people will not run as he's on the way to preach the gospel. He begins to share the gospel, and he impacts so many people's lives and transforms so many people's lives. Most of the New Testament is because of this individual that was once a time broken, lost, confused, and persecuting Christians. The most of the things we hold on to is because God has done something amazing in his life. Because God has transformed him. And so I say that to say that you may think that you're broken. You may think that you're not good enough. But God yet and still wants to do something amazing in your life. But just because God wants to do something amazing in your life doesn't mean it's going to come easy. I need you to understand that. We don't get to treat God like a genie and rub a magical lamp. We don't get to treat him like a magician and ask him to shake his wand. It does not mean it's going to come easy. We have to work in this relationship with Christ. The Bible tells us those who suffer with me shall also reign with me. If I don't have to present any other scripture to you today, I need you to understand that principle that your relationship with God will lead to suffering that is just a form of transportation to reigning. I need you to understand that we will go through some hard times, but I am guarantee you our, our good times will outweigh our bad times. Old saints would say it like this, trouble doesn't last always. And if that doesn't ring a bell, then it says weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. We have to go through something to get to something. Paul, I love what he does in his text because Paul uh, writes the, the epistle to the Philippian church, the people of Philippi, and this epistle, this letter, he writes to them, and he writes to them from a peculiar place for a minister. He's in prison. He's locked up, 
and they won't let him out. And he is trying to write to the people and encourage them on how that we should push forward, how that we should make things happen. He's not writing like Pookie and Shamir and saying, listen, man, it's hard down here. I need you to put, uh, I need you to put some money on my books right now. Uh, can you send me something? That's not the conversation that Paul is saying. He's not, woe is me. Life is back. That's not what happened. Paul is writing upbeat. He's excited about where he is in life at this moment. Can you imagine being in one of the lowest places in your life and yet and still find joy and peace? I, Paul, Paul made me look at myself and ask myself, what am I pouting about? Yes, things are not easy, but I'm way better than I used to be. Why am I being upset and frustrated about what I'm going through? Paul was in a dungeon. There was no commissary. There was no visits. None of this was happening. He was all by him lonesome with some other people in there, and yet and still he finds a way to thank God in this text. He finds a way to thank God for what he's going through. And I love what takes place because in the verse 12 in, in, in this text, what he shows us is that he spends time taking taking the opportunity to tell people that, listen, I know that God is doing an amazing thing. I know that God is doing an amazing thing because yet and still, even though I'm locked up, people's lives are being changed. People are accepting Christ. So what I'm going through is expanding the gospel. That's what Paul is worried about, is what I'm going through impacting the kingdom. Can I suggest that the reason why many of us cannot deal with the adversities that we're going through in life is because we're so worried about how our adversities are attacking us? that we forget that our adversities are not really attacking us, they're attacking the kingdom. Y'all don't understand. The reason why you didn't never go through things like you're going through now before you said yes to Jesus, because you were never a threat. You were never a threat. You might have had some good moments, you might have posted some amazing things, but you were never a real threat. Your life did not bear fruit to, 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 to cause the enemy to say, I want to keep you down. I want to attack you. I want to bring you back. No, 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 no. You are now a threat now that you steady claiming Jesus did this and Jesus did that. And so as a result of your voice speaking for Jesus now, the enemy says, I have to do something to you, but actually I'm not doing it to you. I'm doing it through you because I'm really trying to destroy the kingdom. Can I help you understand that you are a conduit that the enemy tries to use to destroy the kingdom of God? Maybe that's why we give in so much because we We'll take his attacks a little bit too personal. It's me. He don't like me. I'm going through this and such and such this. The reason why you're going through what you're going through, because it's just as much as God wants to do something with you, the enemy needs to destroy you so that the people that God is putting around you don't see God the way you see God. If the enemy can destroy you, the voice, the ambassador, because you may not think that you're a model Christian. You may not think that, that you have enough impact, influence, but somebody is watching you. Yeah. And the result that somebody is watching you, the enemy says, if I can do something to you, if I can get you broken, if I can cause you to be lost, then I will affect everything that is connected to you. Yeah. Last night I posted a post and I put one word, parenting. That was it. A real parent ain't got to ask no questions. They already know what it means. You put that word up there, that's like for teachers putting teaching. They would like someone can't come fast enough. They would understand completely. 
And I put that word because I was frustrated. I didn't understand how can I, you give somebody everything and, and they still don't appreciate it. They still don't respect you. And, and so I posted that word just seeking God. I don't want to say anything bad. So I'm just going to say this one word and God, if nothing else, I need you to help me figure it out. But I stand here today just as much as the enemy allowed me to be frustrated on last night. I realize as a leader, as a father, that if the enemy gets me out of my character, then he affects the way that my son sees who God is. If my daddy is supposed to be a pastor, if my daddy is supposed to be a leader, then if he can call me to be out of my character, see, this is bigger than me. He, he says, I've lost you, but maybe I can keep him. And as a result of it, it makes me want to think about it. Maybe I should do a little better. Maybe I should think about how I handle these situations and how I have to overcome these situations because what I have to realize is that there is a generation, there is somebody somewhere that is watching me, and if I do the wrong thing, they will blame God. They will blame God, and they will walk away. They will never take the opportunity to say, God, I trust you. I'm going to give you a chance. If somebody says to you that, listen, I love God, and he's amazing, and he does wonderful things, but yet and still they're causing you hurt, harm, and pain, how do you expect to love the same one that loves him. Makes you sit back and, and reevaluate some things. And so I see Paul locked in prison. And I understand why Paul does not throw a fit about being in prison. He has every right. He was once a Roman soldier. He knows what it is to be there. He put people there. Paul at any moment could have said, you know what? I don't want to be here. So as a matter of fact, go get the emperor. Let me tell him that I know where every Christian is. And listen, if he gives me my job back, we'll go kill him all. Paul could have said, you know what? I don't want to go through what I'm about to go through. But he doesn't. Paul goes through it. And he goes through it because he knows what he's going through will impact the kingdom of God. The reason why many of us don't go through what we have to go through is because we always think it's about us. And we forget that God has a kingdom agenda that's bigger than us. I really want you to hold on to that. I didn't even share. I didn't get to share all that with first service. It didn't come out all the way I wanted to come out. But I need you to understand, you as a parent, it's not just about your kid. God has a kingdom agenda. It's not just about your house. It's about God's kingdom. On your job, it's not just about your paycheck. It's a kingdom agenda. This is why God tells us, when you're working, work unto the Lord. Because people ain't going to appreciate you. They're going to look over you. But you do what you do because you're working unto the Lord. Everything that we're supposed to do is all about God. And that's the biggest problem with us and adversity because it, it gets in the way of our perspective of God. Can you remember the time where you saw the plan that God has for your life? Can you remember the time? that God showed you who you were and that you were going to be with this person and you were going to be doing this thing, that great feeling, that overwhelming feeling, that joy that you had when you was like, you know what, everything is going to be okay. It's kind of like a kid, or matter of fact, let's be real, it's like our teachers on the last day of school. These same kids that's been getting on your nerves all year long, they just don't bother you the same on the last week when you're counting down the last five days. It, it just doesn't matter. Oh, you want to jump off a wall? Go ahead, baby. That is it's beautiful. I only got a few more hours with you. I understand. And it's that fact that you see the end is near. You see that things are going to be okay. But the enemy uses those obstacles. He uses those things, and he puts it in our way to keep us from seeing that God is right there. 
that your breakthrough is right there, that your deliverance is right there, because if I can stop you from being great, then I can stop the impact of what you can do. Can you imagine if Paul was stopped on this day while he was in jail? We would not have none of this to talk about from a Pauline perspective. We would not have the epistles. None of this would be done. And this is what I want to share with you more than anything. The sad thing is that if you're not going to be for God, then the only place for you to be is against God. And, and I believe, and I want to suggest today, that if Paul would have made the decision not to deal with his adversities, not to continue to push through, instead of Paul having a continuation that leads to other epistles, he would have had a period. That would have been the end of Paul. Because the impact, the influence of Paul as it relates to the kingdom would have been done. We wouldn't have heard even more about Paul and how he impacted so many other people's lives, the Corinthian church and, and uh, the ecclesiastics. We wouldn't have heard about none of those things if Paul would have said, today, I give up. The reason why I bring that up to you is because there are places and people and relationships in your life that you have given up on, and you put the period there, not God. You put the pause in your growth. You put the pause to keep you from being who God wants you to be. You put the pause in your marriage, and your relationship, on your job. You put it there because you said, God, I've tried it your way, and I'm tired. And as a result of it, I'm going to go back and do this my way. I'm going to go back and figure this out. And this is why many of us never get past the adversities and the obstacles in front of us. is because we're so quick to give up when things get tough. So today, if you learn nothing else, in the midst of what you're going through or what you're headed to, I want to make sure that you know how to get through it. I want to make sure that you know how that we're going to find joy in the midst of our storm. I want to know how we're going to keep smiling when the world is talking about us behind our back. I want to know how do we keep going to work and clocking in even though we're getting underpaid and people don't appreciate us and they're overlooking. How do I continue to make this happen? I make this happen because I am seeking kingdom not personal. I'm not seeking what I want in life. I'm seeking what God wants in life. I'm seeking the will of God and not my own personal ways. This is what I believe Paul does. One of the first things that Paul teaches me as it relates to us dealing with adversity and how do we move forward, the first thing that he teaches us is that if we want to be great, if we want to be believers and we want to overcome these obstacles, we have to guard our thoughts. The very first thing that we have to do is guard our thoughts. And I love what Paul does in this, in this text. He says, now I want you to know, brethren, in verse 12, that my circumstances uh, have turned out for the greater progress of the gospel. Paul shows me that his mindset is totally different. That's what I see in this biblical text. He says that my circumstances have turned out for the greater good of the gospel. I want, to know, I want you to notice what he says there. He didn't say for the greater good for me. He didn't say for the greater good of my family. He didn't say for the greater good of my finances. He says that what I'm going through is for the greater good of the gospel. Many people did not understand how what we were going through with the pandemic and, and COVID, how it affected us. We didn't understand what God was allowing to happen. I know that we don't agree with it. I know that many don't like it. But can I be honest? Some of us have experienced some greater good 
because of the struggle that we've went through. Some of us have lost jobs and started businesses because of the struggle that we went through. And some of us are still going through things right now because we've lost loved ones and we don't understand the greater good of it. But I can promise you that God is doing something amazing. And if you allow him and you can change your mindset the way you think about it and you can look at it from a kingdom perspective instead of a personal perspective, then you will be able to understand that God is doing something great with you and through you. I did not say it's going to feel good. Paul is still locked up. That is a problem. I did not say it was going to be the best that you could possibly have. But what I am saying, that if you're willing to stick in it and you can change your mind, your mind thought process, your perspective, then you will be better. Can I help you understand something? I don't care how in bondage my body is physically. What you will not do is have me in bondage spiritually and mentally. I need you to really understand that. Spiritually, you should already be free because that who Christ has set free is free indeed. So spiritually, I'm done. I'm sealed with his blood. It's over. But mentally, I still got control over that. Mentally, I have to make a decision in my mind if I am going to allow the enemy to manipulate me. And many battles that we have as people, humanity, believers, we lose in the mind. That's where the battleground is fought. Because the Bible says, so as a man thinketh, so is he. Many of us have allowed the enemy to manipulate our minds. He's, we've allowed him to make us think that we're lonely. He, we've allowed, and I say we, have allowed him to make us think that we're not appreciated, that we're not cared for, that we're not loved. And as a result of we allowing him to manipulate us, it then affects what we do physically. Spiritually, we've been set free. What we need to do is allow our mind to catch up with what the Word says. This is why many of us struggle. We can't change the way we think because our minds have been fed foolishness instead of faithfulness. And as a result of it, we struggle to live in the manner that God has called us to live. We struggle because mentally we are messed up. There are things that have happened. There are people who have said things to us, the way people have treated us, that have messed us up mentally. And as a result of it, when things go wrong, we backtrack. So Paul says, in the midst of what I'm going through, I got to make sure my mind is right. I got to change the way I think about things. My, my, I have to guard my thoughts. If Eve would have guarded her thoughts in the garden, we may not be having this conversation right now. If David, when he was on the rooftop looking at Bathsheba, would have guarded his thoughts, we may not have had this conversation. There are several people in the Bible, if we just guarded, Samson would have guarded his thoughts when he was laying up with Delilah. We may not be having this situation. The reason why many of us fail is because we lose the battle mentally. We have to begin to control our thoughts. If you got to talk to yourself when the enemy starts, I had an old pastor comment. He calls it snaky talk. That's what he says. He said it was snaky talk because the enemy will begin to whisper into your ear. And those thoughts of, of, of failure, those thoughts of doubt, of success, those thoughts that anything you want. Okay, I'm going to help y'all. We're going to take a minute. We're going to backtrack because some of y'all don't understand this. You want to know when the enemy is talking to you. Whenever the, you are thinking about doing something that is counterproductive to what the word of God says, that's the enemy. I want to make sure he doesn't have that voice to say, you need to do this. None of that is coming. 
It can be so sweet. It can be a Denzel, whatever you need it to be. But can I help you understand that when it presents itself to you, it will always be the total opposite of what the Word of God says. If you don't know anything else, because you know what? Some of us are living the life, and we are confused, and we don't know when God is talking to us and when the enemy is talking to us. And because the Bible tells us that our, my sheep, my children, will know my voice. And so you want to know, if you don't know God's voice, let me help you know the enemy's voice. If it's anything that go against what Big Mama told you in the Word of God, you know that it ain't him. It ain't right. You have to get to the point where you can keep your mind safe. You have to keep your mind safe. This is why we have to put on the helmet. The Bible talks about it. We have to keep our mind protected. A soldier doesn't go into battle without his helmet. A football player doesn't go into playing football without his helmet. We have to keep our mind. Old Saint said, I woke up this morning with my mind stayed on Jesus. Didn't wake up with my mind stayed on my problems. I didn't wake up on my mind stayed on my pain. I woke up with my mind stayed on Jesus. That's where we have to get to in our lives, and we have to guard our thoughts because all it takes is for a moment of manipulation from the enemy that can destroy years of progress because you have given in. So Saul, Paul, Saul teaches me that if I really want to be successful at dealing with my my, my, my obstacles, if I really want to be successful in dealing with my adversities, then what I have to understand is that I have to guard my minds. And the key reason why I have to guard my minds is because your perspective is what makes you effective. If you don't know anything else, your perspective is what makes you effective. You can think about the glass half empty. You can think about it half full. The way you look at it is going to determine your drive what you're going to do, how you're going to move forward in life. And many of us simply have the wrong perspective. We really have the wrong perspective. Many of us are sad about being lonely, but really God is giving you a time to heal and grow and make yourself better. Your perspective has to change. You have to figure that thing out. I could get a glass of water uh, with a package of uh, that, you know, that little Kool-Aid mix that you can pour straight into the water, and my glass is only half full. I'd be like, dang, I ain't going to have enough have water to drink. I'm not going to be good, but I know that if I have a half a cup of water with that same package, it's just going to be a little sweeter than it was yeah. with a whole cup of water. Yeah. And so I, I look at it. My perspective is different. I'm asking you to change your perspective. Look at it from a kingdom perspective instead of a personal perspective. The second thing that I love about what Paul does in this particular text is not only does he tell us to, that if we want to deal with our adversities that we have to guard our thoughts, he teaches us if we want to deal with our diverse adversities, then we have to let people talk. Yeah. We got to, <laughs> I'm going to tell you, quit trying to shut people up. Let them talk. Pastor, why are you talking about letting people talk? Because this is what happens when you take the time to read verses 14 through 18, people begin to talk. This is what Paul begins to celebrate. And in your time when you read this, Paul is telling you that some of these people are talking from a place of love. They're celebrating who God is and what God is doing. And so, brothers, the kingdom is advancing because these people's lives are being changed, and they love Jesus just as much as I love Jesus. So I'm excited about how the gospel is taking place. But there are some people being funny. And they are talking about God, but against God. And still yet, the fact that they're talking, the kingdom is being advanced. Things are, are going to be moving forward. I'm excited. Everything is happening. And I didn't really understand why I have to celebrate and why I have to let people talk, because I want to shut people up. 
Don't talk about me. Don't talk about my mama. Don't talk about my family. You talk about me, I will bust you in your mouth. That's the flesh. That's the flesh of me. But there's a spiritual component that helps me understand I can't, can't be that way. I cannot be that way. And one of the greatest examples is a friend of mine, Pastor Jared, who pastors Arden Church right up the street from here. Um, some people don't know him. Some people, you have seen his sign on the way to church. And he has one of the most um, talked about signs probably in the Ellis County area right now. He has a sign that says, basically, Holy Spirit is, is what it's supposed to say. But the design and the way that he has created it makes you think he's saying Holy something else. And so he puts those different uh, signs and pictures in there. And what has happened is everybody in Ellis County, you know, y'all might not be a part of it if you're not in Ellis County, but they got these Watsahatchee talk groups and um, Ellis, Ennis County, all this stuff. And so people go on there and they just talk, they talk, they talk, they talk about who got pulled over by the police, talk about who, what Wendy's not giving you. They just talk. And so somebody took a picture of his sign, posted it in there, and just began, this church is going to hell. They're an abomination to God. They are blaspheming. This is the worst thing you could ever do. Why did you do this? Such and such and such and such and such and such. Just went down a whole long list of things. And I got worried about my friend. I was like, you know, these are small towns, Jared. Um, how long are you going to leave that sign on your building? When are you going to take that sign down? And uh, are you okay as a pastor? And he's like, man, you know, people have called me and cursed me out and, and said all type of things. But he says, you know what? Uh, we've got 10 new people to come to Christ because they saw that sign and they wanted to be like, what in the world is this church talking about? And so he says, I'm not going to take it down. As long as people are coming to Christ because of this sign, I'm okay. I say, Jared, but they're blaspheming. They're talking about you on Facebook. They're saying you're ahead. You're going to hell. It was already bad enough that you made your sign black and you painted your sanctuary black. They are really thinking you're a dark church and you're going to hell. It's not going to be good, Jared. You got to change it. He says, but at least they're talking about me. And if they're talking about me, they're talking about God. They're talking about God. He says there's a conversation that is happening on a public platform that God is the center of. That God is the center of, and it's all because of a sign and a little, little of what I'm going through. So if I have to have people call my phone, if I have to have people talk bad about me, as long as God is being glorified, whatever I have to do, I will continue to do. And so when I thought about this, I was like, you know what? It's okay to let people talk. Yeah. I ain't got to bust everybody in their mouth. It's okay to have haters. It's okay to have people talking bad about me, that I'm not going to be successful, that my marriage is going to fail, that I'm not going to reach the point that God wants me to be, that I'm hopeless, I'm just dreaming, I'm not moving on faith, I'm moving, I'm moving as a fool. It's okay for people to talk to me. Why? Because just as much as an amazing when God has good people to talk about you and it elevates you, this is the great thing that the Word of God says, I will make your enemies your footstools. Do you know the power of a footstool? See, some of you don't know the power of a footstool. I happen to be married to a short lady, and, and she struggles sometimes reaching things on high, high shelves. Yeah, you're short. You can call it average height, but you're short. Uh-huh. And so she struggles reaching things sometimes. And so what she has to do, uh, she has a footstool that she puts in the pantry to get things where she wanted from the high shelf, and she has to step up on that footstool. It supports her to get her higher. 
There are some people in your life that they have put their mouth on you to try to hurt you, to try to hurt your marriage, to try to bring you down. But can I help you understand that God is going to use them to support you, to get you higher, to take you to another level, to cause you to move forward. And this is why you have to be willing that when you're dealing with adversity, allow people to talk because God wants to use them too. We can't run from people talking about us because we have to understand that God wants to use them too. And just because you think it has to go one way does not mean that it will always go that way. So you have to let people talk. Let people talk good. Let people talk bad. Because this is the reason I really love allowing people to talk. Because you have to eat your words once you see God do what he does. You ain't got to sit there and argue with them. You can say whatever. Your marriage is not going to make it. You're going to fail after the first year. Okay, well, we in year two now. What you going to do? Eat your words. Because the only word that rules in my life is the word of God. I don't, y'all don't understand. I grew up in an area where you can do anything you wanted to do. Just don't put your hands on me. You can talk. You can draw your imaginary line in the dirt and step over it. You can put your stick on the shoulder and knock it off. You can do whatever you want to do. But do not touch me. I remember one day in school, I shouldn't even be promoting fighting, especially not in school. Thank God we have a children's church. Um, I remember one day in school when I was young, this girl, you know, and girls, y'all the worst with them fights. Y'all just go crazy. I don't know if y'all hold it in for years or what it is. They, they did all of that bumping. Walked around in circles three times. You don't want none of me. You don't want none of me. And I swear for God, all this other girl did was just touched. I, I don't even know if her finger actually made physical contact. It was just close enough that maybe she touched the thread of the shirt. And all I seen was this. It was over. Because you touched me. Can I help you understand that the enemy can do a whole bunch of things, but what God is never going to let him do is touch you. He's not going to allow him to touch your marriage. He's not going to allow him to touch your job. He's not going to allow you to touch your family. None of it is going to be touched. Why? Because he has promised in his word that no weapon that is formed against you shall prosper. We have gotten to the point of thinking that all these things that we lose are the enemy touching us. They're just things. And the beautiful thing I know about the enemy taking things is God will give it back to you. You may not understand because you have not read the book of Job. Things happen in Job's life, but God gave that man double for his trouble. So enemy, whatever you want to take, take it. I can get to the point where you, 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 my car that I paid off is breaking down and I'm frustrated about it. But look, devil, you want that car? That's okay because God's going to bless me with another one. I can get to the point where my bank account is negative and I'm praying that I can slide it for some gas. It's okay because God is going to provide me with something better. We have to get to the point of understanding. I don't care what it is that the enemy touches. As long as he don't touch my heart. Long as he don't touch my soul, long as he don't touch what is really a representation of me, that's what we have to protect. This is why we have to guard our mind. This is why we have to be willing to allow people to talk because God has a bigger plan in play. 
There's something greater that is happening. And many of us, we will continue to lose. We will continue to give up because we don't want to push through. We don't want to fight because we're so worried about people. We're so worried about us manipulating ourselves mentally. But the last thing that I have to have you understand, if you can get to the point where you can guard your thoughts, where you can let people talk. And the reason why you have to let people talk, if I didn't already tell you, is because people verbalization will lead to your vindication. That's what I need you to understand. That's what I believe. This is why I'm willing to allow people to talk. I will allow people to verbalize whatever they want to because it will lead to my vindication. If people are sitting around telling good things that, oh, God is amazing, he will deliver you. Pastor Chris is going to be okay. He's going to bring you out. If that's what you say to my face, God bless you. I know that God is good. But when you go home and you get on your phone with your friend and you're like, yeah, I was just over there with him. He a fool. I don't know why he's still doing this and why God, when he needs to go somewhere else and be somebody else, let me help you understand that every time you put your mouth on me. God is going to do something back to you. I need you to understand your verbal, I can't, your verbalization is what leads to my vindication. So please continue to talk. Please continue to talk because I need God to work something. Talk about I'm broke because I need God to make me a baller. Talk about I'm hopeless because I need God to help me in every way possible. Talk about I'm lost because I need God to help me be fine. Please continue. Whatever it is that you want to say about me, my family, where I am, continue to talk. This is where we have to get in our lives. I had to change my mindset. See, I used to put them hands up to fight, but I'm like, come on, bring it. What you got? What you got? What am I not going to be this week? What am I not, not going to achieve? What, what am I stupid about that right now? What is it? Because as long as I'm following the will of God, I know that I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. And so I, I, I welcome, I welcome whatever it is that you have to say. Because everything that you say, your verbalization will ultimately lead to my vindication. It will lead to God delivering me. It will lead to God bringing me out for one reason or another. God will shine. And so when you get to a point that you can guard your thoughts, when you get to a point that you can let people talk, the last thing that you have to do is watch God triumph. That's it. We talked about it last week. You don't have no fight to fight. God is fighting these fights. And you have to get to a point where you have to watch God triumph. And the reason why you have to be willing to watch God triumph is because our struggles breed our success. Success would not exist if there was never a struggle. I want to make sure that you understand Balling is only balling because people are broke. Love is only love because people feel lost or lonely. There's a yin and a yang, yang to this whole situation. And so what you have to do is get to a point in your life where you realize that what I'm going through, yes, I'm not strong enough to make it out by myself. Yes, I'm not strong enough to fix these problems. That's why I have to sit back and watch God triumph. I have to watch God defeat these odds. I got to watch God break through these obstacles because if I'm willing to watch God and allow God to do these things, then it puts me exactly where I need to be. And this is why I love when he ends, uh, Paul ends this particular part of the text with verse 19 and 20, and he says it just like this, for I know. That was not a maybe. He says, for I know. No, that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayers and the provisions of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectations and hope that I will not be put to shame in anything, but that with all boldness, Christ will, even now, as always, 
be exalted in my body. Now, some of us are believers that want to stop right there. I will be delivered. Ain't nothing going to come against me. Everything is going to be all right. And we feel like, you know what, that's a good place to stop. But there's a comma there and not a period. If you have your Bibles, there's a comma and not a period. Because the last part of that says, whether by life or by death. This is why many of us struggle. It's because if we encounter something that's going to feel like it's going to kill us, we leave God. And as a result of us not having a mindset that says I will serve him in the things in the good times and the bad times, many of us not having that mindset, then we are not in a position to watch God triumph. We are not in a, in a position to watch God triumph. We're not willing to go to the ends of the road. That was one of my favorite movies back in the day. I say back in the day. It's not really that far back. Uh, Bad Boys, uh, Will Smith and Martin Lawrence. And Will Smith and Martin Lawrence would always get themselves in a situation that didn't seem like it was going to turn out for their good. And no matter how much they wanted to not be in a situation from the, uh, with the other one, they had this thing that they would always say that they're bad boys for life. They would strap up, jump into the battle. They didn't care if they were going to make it out. If they're not going to make it out, the one thing that they're going to do is that they're going to fight this thing for life. Can I ask you a question? Do you love God enough that you will fight him to life or to death? That you will fight him until you can, that you will fight with him and live for him, even if it's going to kill you? Even if you never make the million dollars, will you love him enough to continue to worship him? Even if you never get the husband or the wife that you want, will you love him enough to continue to worship him? Even if you never get the job that you want, can you love him enough to continue to worship him? Many of us, the reason why we can't come overcome our adversity is because we don't love him enough to push through the times that says, if we don't, or if he doesn't. Paul is in a position where he says to himself, I know that I will be delivered. One way or another, everything is going to be okay. And the reason why everything is going to be okay is because of the simple fact that God loves me. So whether I'm living through it or I'm dying through it, as long as I'm with God, I'm okay. That's where many of us have to get to our lives that we have to understand as long as we are with God, we are okay. We're okay. Paul in the midst of prison, the reason why he was okay is because he was with God. He was advancing the kingdom of God. He was advancing the, the gospel. I'm sorry that you're going through whatever you're going through in the tough, toughest situation of your life. For some of you, it's your marriage. For some of you, it's your job. For some of you, it's your kids. For some of it's your health. Whatever it is that in that situation that you feel like you're breaking, that you're dying, that you have no hope, that you cannot push forward, I am sorry that you're going through it. But if you are really a believer, if you have really accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, catch this, you're not going through it alone. You're going through it with God. And as a result of you going through it with God, you will be delivered. You will make it out. One way or another, you will make it out. Your marriage will be okay. Your finances will be okay. Your health will be okay. One way or another with God, everything's going to be okay. This is the point that we have to get to in our lives. And this is why I think Paul is at peace in the midst of his adversity. In the midst of what he's going through, because he's learned to guard my thoughts, his, his thoughts. He, he's learned to let people talk. He's learned to sit back and watch God triumph. And I was like, you know what? It's amazing. 
Paul did an amazing job, but people are not going to be okay with that. Paul wrote it. We know. And you want me to accept Paul was all right with what he was going through. So I said, God, I need a little bit more. Show me it again. Confirm it in the Bible that this is a process to dealing with adversity. And there is no greater example than he can give us than our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so when I looked in the Bible and I seen Jesus Christ, and I began to look at these principles that Jesus guarded his thoughts, that Jesus let people talk, that Jesus watched God triumph, I had to answer myself to each question and say, yes, he did. Some of us may not know the story, but I want to help you remember the story. Uh, And we asked ourselves first, did Jesus guard his thoughts? Did you forget that on the night when Jesus was about to be betrayed, he went to the garden and he sat in the garden and he mentally began to pray and ask God to take this cup away from me. I don't want to go through this. There has to be another way. But yet and still, by the time he prayed three times, the way his prayer ends is, God, let not my will be done, but your will be done. Can I help you understand in the midst of you getting out of your own way and allowing God's will to be done is a perfect example of what it means to guard your thoughts. He thought that this was not the only way, that I did not have to do this, that God, we can create another way. But he understood that God, if this is the way that redemption has to happen for humanity, let it happen. Jesus Christ himself, in the midst of an adverse situation, guarded his thoughts. Let your will be done. Pastor, how do I guard my thoughts? Anything, everything that you go through, God, let your will be done. God, you want me to lose my job? Let your will be done. You just know you got to provide for me. God, you want me to join this church? Let your will be done. You know how I feel about small churches, but let your will be done. You must have a plan. I love being married to my wife because we face situations And I love when she realizes that all you got to do is get out the way. Get out the way and let me deal with it. I got it. Last night we had one of the most probably horrific things happen in our household. My son, God bless his holy soul, decided he was going to squeeze his bike out of the garage and scratched up her brand new car. Yeah, y'all felt it. Y'all felt it right there. Jesus, y'all felt it in this house right now. And not to do, not just that, but to cover it up and to try to hide it. Well, we end up having to find it later. And all I could do while she was turning every shade of colors that I could possibly ever imagine was look at her and say, I will take it to the shop next week. That's all I could do. No matter how much I felt and didn't understand, how in the world did you think to do what you just did? All I could do was think I could take it to the shop next week. She didn't fuss. She didn't cuss. She didn't say anything else but okay. Because she understood that she is in a position where it's something that she doesn't have to deal with, that somebody else has a plan for it and is going to get it done. You have to get to a point in your life that you have to say to yourself, this is bigger than I can handle right now. God, let your will be done. She hadn't asked me, are you taking it to Mako? Are you taking it to the Chevy dealership? She ain't asked no other questions. She just said, okay. Can we get to the point in our lives, just like Jesus Christ, 
when he was in the garden, that he says, let your will be done. And I said, well, God, that's a good point. But please, go a little further. Show me how Jesus let people talk. And he reminded me, did you forget that they paraded him around from place to place and made fun of him, talking about, you think you're the Messiah, King of Nazareth, and they put all of these things and said all of these things, crown of thorns on his head, stood him before Pontius Pilate, and you got to persecute him. You got They talked, and not one time, I think the old song said he never said a mumbling word. He didn't have to say anything. He just allowed them to talk. He allowed them to talk about who they thought he was or, or what they felt like he was. And it's one of the most beautifulest things that I realized because he understood in that moment, I've already given it to God. What more do I need to say? Can we get to that point in our lives that once we give it to God, we realize there's nothing else to say? You cannot say, God, let your will be done and then pick up your phone and call your homegirl. I don't know what I'm going to do about this. I don't know how things are going to work out. Stop talking about it. Yeah. Allow God's will to be done in your life. Begin to allow things to manifest mm -hmm. and watch what God does. I said, God, well, that's two of them. God, I, I need the third. Show me Jesus. Show me the third one. And I, I got excited. But before I got excited, I, he showed me that, you know what, he struggled. And this is why we have to be willing to watch God uh, lead us to success. Why we got to watch God triumph because the struggle is what breeds the triumph. The struggle is what breeds the success. And I was like, what did he struggle? And I said, he carried his own cross. He had to carry his own cross while they were beating him, while they were spitting on him, while they were laughing at him. He had to carry his own cross. And then when the cross got too heavy for him to carry, they pulled in somebody to carry it the rest of the way. They pulled in somebody to carry it on the way. So Jesus, he struggled. In, and not only did he struggle when they made him carry his own straw, they struggled when they put nails in his hands and nails in his feet. I don't care how much God he was, just as much God, he was just as much man. And I'm sorry, I get a splinter and it hurts. So for me to know that my Savior had nails being put in his wrist, nails being put in his feet, it, it baffles me of what the pain and agony had to feel like in the midst of him struggling. And then I got to the point of understanding that not only that, but he pierced, he was pierced in the side. Blood was, water was pouring out of his body. Medical professional says that was the part that hurt more than anything. He was suffocating inside, drowning on his own self. That, that struggle that he did. And then I, I just remember that how did he triumph? How did he triumph on the, over the enemy? And I remember that the Bible tells me that his last words was, Father, forgive them for they know not what they've done. To be buried in a borrowed tomb three days and raised again to be able to present himself back to humanity to show that, you know what, I am the redemption factor. I have brought you out. I have made things better. Just what the word says, I have done it. I am the word made flesh. I am spirit. Every power that is in heaven and on earth has been given to me. To be able to stand there shows us that he watched God. He was a living, walking example of how he triumphed. He was called to something, went through something, only to become something greater. 
Can I help you to understand that God is calling you to something? You will go through something only to put you in a position for you to be something greater. I don't, you just need to think about that and write it down on your mirror. Whatever it is, God has called me to something. I'm going through something only to the fact that I can be something better again. You have to look at yourself every day in your life and determine where am I at in this journey? Am I being called to it? Am I going through it? And if I'm going through it, that's okay because I'm going to be something greater again. God wants to do amazing things to you. So when you face adversity, know without a shadow of a doubt that it's not God's plan to destroy you. It's not that God is not looking out for you. It's not that God is not watching you. It's not that God doesn't care about your marriage. It's not that God don't care about your job. God cares about you. But God seeks an audience. Because just as much as he cares about the one, he cares about the 99. And what we have to understand is that being a child of God means that you can be used by God. I can sit in my recliner and call Isaiah and tell Isaiah, Isaiah, give me a soda out the refrigerator. And as my son, I expect him to bring it to me. You let some stranger come sit in my house and tell my son what to do. We're going to have a problem. Because he's my son. I had a conversation where somebody was telling my son what to do, and I was telling my son what to do, and Isaiah was going to do what they said do, and I had to stop and look at it. Boy, I'm your daddy. You do what I said do. And that person was like, you know, but I, told him, I don't care what you told him. You do what I told you to do. God is your father. He is your creator. You do what he's told you to do. I don't care who else in your life has tried to put fear and confusion in your life. You do what God has told you to do. And I promise you, as long as you're doing what God has told you to do, you will always succeed. The reason why Paul was in jail is because God told him to preach the gospel. And the worst thing that you can do in the midst of a storm is stop doing what God has told you to do. Because the storm may subside. But what you have just done is that you have left God so that you can feel safe instead of being in a place of safety for the rest of your life. Whatever it is that you have left God so that you can have this false illusion that you're safe, you need to go back and get back in the fight again. You need to go back and say that, you know what, I'm not giving up on this. I'm going to do everything that God wants me to do. I'm not walking away. I'm sorry that I'm not making people happy. I'm sorry that people are talking about me. I'm sorry that people want to put me down, but I will steady fight because this is what God has asked me to do. I will stand. I will pray. I will believe. I will give. I will work. Whatever it is, and I will do it over and over and over again until God sees fit to bring me out. I'm going to get my mind right. I'm not going to allow people to distract me with all that talk because it does not matter. And I'm going to sit back and watch God get the glory because I'm going to be the first one to tell you I couldn't do it. God, I don't know how we preaching to a thousand people. I, I don't know. I couldn't do it. But I know God did. 
How does a person with dyslexia understand the Bible enough to present it to people who have doctrine degrees? I don't know. But God can do it. How is a person that's been raised in a broken home can create a successful marriage and raise children? I don't know. But God can do it. God is trying to deliver us. He's trying to set us free. And if you're not in a position where you need to be set free right now, I thank God for that. But I can promise you, if you stay saved long enough, you're going to need it. You're going to need God to deliver you. Your life may be peaches and cream right now. It's amazing. You got the victory. You just learned a new worship song. I understand. But the battle is yet to come. And you better be mentally prepared. So that your mind aligns with your spirit so that your body can handle the attack of the enemy. So I want to lift you up in prayer. Everyone in this place, if you want to stand, stand. If you want to sit, you can sit. It's up to you. For those of you who are watching online, I want to pray for you. Because we serve an amazing God that he knows us by name. And in the midst of everything that we're going through, more than anything, we need him to see us in the midst of our struggles, to see us in the midst of our circumstances. And so my prayer is that God does something amazing in every life that has heard this message. God, I pray that right now as we stand before you, as we watch online, extended hands, God, I pray that you begin to make things make sense. God, if there are situations that you're not calling us to walk away from, then God, give us the understanding. Speak to our hearts and call us to stay. And God, if there's a situation that maybe we need to walk away from, that's the challenge that you want us to do. God, give us comfort. Give us strength to make the step to walk away. Because God, all I want to do is be in your presence. All I want to do is serve your purpose and your will. God, knowing that we're going through struggles is one thing. But God, remind us that your word says, take my yoke upon you because my yoke is easy and my, my burden is easy and my yoke is light. Remind us, God, that you are leading the way. It's your yoke, not ours, that we're just following your lead. We're alone for the ride. And God, remind us that the attack is not on us, but it's on the kingdom. Remind us, God, that you are at work when we're not at work. So God, right now, I'm praying for restoration. I'm praying for recovery. I'm praying for redemption. God, and I'm praying for a release to happen all over this place. The enemy has had us in bondage mentally and physically. And God, I'm praying that you release us right now. We've allowed the things that the enemy has told us about our marriage, about our jobs, about our finances to manifest in our lives and make us think it's real. And God, I'm praying for a release now. I'm praying that the enemy removes his hand so that we can see you again. So that we don't just have to go through the motions, but that we can find joy and praise in your name. That in the midst of our storms, in the midst of our struggles, we can have a sincere praise that we can have tears of joy 
that declares that, God, we are more than conquerors, that no weapon formed against us shall prosper, that we can be in the midst of the storm and still yet not still be struggling. So, God, I am praying that your people's lives are impacted today. That you give us hope, that you give us peace. And, God, in return, we will give you the glory. We will make sure that everybody knows that it was you. It was not us. We didn't build this family. We didn't build this marriage. We didn't build this job. We didn't build this church. God, you did it. And when it does not make sense, the only thing that we can say is Jesus. God, you did it. So, Lord, I pray that people get to know you in a way that they've never known you before. That you remind them of what you've already delivered them through. And we will give you the praise, the honor, and the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, give God a hand clap of praise. What an amazing word from God. Listen, we thank you for taking the opportunity to listen to this message. And it's because of that that we want to extend two invitations to you. Our first invitation is if you're ever in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, for you to actually stop in and worship with us at Believer City Church. We would greatly appreciate the opportunity to get to know you better. The second thing that we would invite you to do is if you want to partner with us in ministry. This message has been able to impact your life in any way, form, or fashion. You're able to partner with us simply by going to our website at BelieverCity.org and clicking on the Give tab and just donating whatever God allows to your heart to do so. Uh, you can also download our app by going to Google Play or the app store and download Believer City Church and there's ways that you can connect with us there, pray with us, give and so many things that you can do to stay connected to the Believer City community. We thank you again for listening to this message and we look forward to worshiping with you in the future. God bless you.